Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. In a world that constantly encourages you to change, it's bold to just be yourself. Sexual expression and satisfaction are different for everybody, so rather than conforming to others, focus on falling in love with who you are. Lion's Den sources the very best products to help you find what you like and help you feel confident expressing your sexual desires. You can get 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com to begin exploring everything about yourself. Follow them on social at Lion's Den Adult on Instagram and TikTok. When it comes to anal sex, what comes to mind? If you're a beginner like so many of us out there, maybe you feel scared, unsure, or just plain uneducated. Future Method can help with that. Founded by a doctor and anal sex expert, Future Method develops science-backed products and non-judgmental doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog started by the gay community and now for everyone that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Let's talk about one of my favorite topics ever, masturbation. While masturbation is not a dirty word, it's not uncommon to feel shame and guilt when it comes to self-pleasure. This is due to a combination of cultural norms, religious influences, lack of meaningful media representation, harmful myths we all learned in sex ed, and more. But masturbation should be talked about in a positive light, and we should be honest about the very real positive impacts it has for people especially for women and people with vulvas. That's why I decided to take pleasure into my own hands, figuratively and literally, with a magic wand masturbation experiment. In a nutshell, I wanted to answer one question. What is the impact of daily magic wand use on my health and wellness, as well as my sexual experience, when compared to regular sexual activity and no sexual activity? Want to see how the experiment unfolded? Check out sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment now. When you're traveling, you don't have access to your amazing sex goodies stash. So you start to pack your lube for sexy time in your toiletry bag. And when you open your bag back up, the lube you packed, of course, spills all over your toothbrush, makeup, and floss picks. Enter a brand new product from Uber Lube that will get your lube to your destination without spillage. They're new good to go travelers, perfect for your purse, pocket, gym bag, or carry-on luggage, the Good To Go Traveler features the same Uberloop product in a discreet aluminum traveler that comes in six colors. Try Uberloop and their Good To Go Traveler now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberloop.com. Hello, Sex Ed with DB fam. I hope you are doing fantastically. And I'm jazzed. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm over the, let's say over the moon. Okay. Let's just say that I'm over the moon to say that this is the last episode of the freaking season. I can't believe that we have eight seasons now under our belt. Can you believe that? If you have been listening since the beginning, since we started this like six years ago, six plus years ago, um, I don't think I would have believed that we had eight seasons, uh, and, and, Here's some news. We're going for a ninth. Um, we're going to be coming out with another season starting next month. Uh, and I really am just so honored to say who our guest is for this final episode. We have Sean Seifa-Wall on, uh, intersex activist and scholar, and just all around fucking fantastic human being. We had the best conversation about the film that he's in and his activism and his PhD in academia and Gen Z. We, we just talk about so much in this episode, and I am so excited to share it with you. Just a huge shout out and thank you to you all for listening uh, to these episodes. I'm so proud of what we're doing here. Shout out to my amazing team that keeps me going and that keeps this podcast going. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors. Uh, we have our, some of our sponsors are coming back next season. You're going to hear them, um, with really, really just amazing, amazing creative projects that we have along the way coming this fall. And 
I just, I don't, I'm speechless. I don't know what else to say. So without further ado, here is Sean Saifa Wall. Hey, Saifa. Hey, what's up, Danielle? I'm so happy to see you and happy to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Love love chatting on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you listen, this is your second time around. I feel like we we have some rapport. We know each other a little better this time. We've been DMing oh. on Instagram about this thing for a little while, listen. trying to fi- trying to figure it out. You know, because I wanted you on this episode for the last episode of this freaking season. Man, love that. Yeah. Love that. I feel so honored. a big girl. Good. I'm glad. I'm really glad. You know? Well, I'm the one that's really <laughs> honored because, um, as I said before we started this interview, I'm chatting with a film star today, uh, and that's you. Oh, my God. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Among a lot of other talents that you have, you now have film star on your resume. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and I'm, oh, wow. I'm thrilled to be the person to get to talk to you about that because you your movie recently came out, Everybody, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, you know, I wish it was my movie. It's actually <laughs> Julie Cohen's movie. Right, right, right. But you're in <laughs> it, so you get to be to like, be oh, in. this movie that I'm in, which is like, that's Holy. that's got to be a crazy sentence for you to say, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, life just really be lifing out here, you know? You just really <laughs> like don't know. <laughs> Life be lifing, you know? It's just like you really don't know what'll happen. So, right. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of wild. I can't wait to really dig deep into that, into your feelings about that. Uh, But again, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, You have been on this podcast before uh, with Hans Lindahl and Pigeon Pagonis for our intersex episode about like three plus years ago, which is a really crazy that it's been that long. Internet time, that's like 10 years ago. Right. (laughs) That was like (laughs) like peak beginning pandemic, basically. And I remember being home at my mom and stepdad's house in Napa with my partner being like, what the fuck is going on? I don't know. We're Mm. just going to kind of go with this. Um, Mm. But I'm so excited that I get to have you back on. And uh, for folks who haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. We actually recently this season, again, had Pigeon back on uh, and we had a great conversation with them. So I'm so excited for, you know, if you listener haven't heard that episode listen to that mm. also uh Don't. but for folks who haven't listened to that intersex episode uh before why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself tell us about your work as an intersex activist and scholar which i really loved reading on your website <laughs> um hey everyone in sex with db land um <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, my name is Sean Cypher Wall. Thank you for the, you know, just very gracious, illustrious introduction. Um, man, I am an intersex activist um, and scholar and researcher. So I've been doing research for as long as I've been doing um, intersex activism. Um, I think I've been doing research probably more consistently than I've been doing intersex activism. And both have been since like 2004, 2005. So that's a long time. Going on 20 years. Almost in these streets. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? (laughs) Trying to, trying to spread a good word, trying to keep the doctors from making, you know, trying to get them to do and make different decisions, you know? Um, But yeah, I think like the last few years of my life, um, I accepted a PhD fellowship um, as a Marie Curie um, fellow um, at the University of Huddersfield. So I've been here working on um, my project, which is looking at sort of like how intersex has been erased um, from policy sectors in Ireland and in England. So, wow. yeah, that's been taking up my time and energy and brain space. <laughs> yeah. What, what has it been like? Is this your first time living in the UK? Oh, yes. How has that been? Well, you know, it's funny, right? Because everyone thinks, you know, whenever um, folks talk to me, you know, they're like, they find out that I'm living in England. They're like, oh, my God, House London. I'm like, okay, first of all, England, you know, I'm not going to go up for England like that. But I'm just like, there's so much more to, you know, England than just London. Right, right. right. Um, And I think I live up north in Manchester, which is like, you know, this sort of former 
industrial city um, that's in the north. And there's a big difference between the north and the south, right? Um, sort of like in the U.S. where there's a difference between the American South and the North and the Midwest and the West Coast, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's been really interesting sort of like living here and working here. Um, it's like I say, we all speak in English, but we are not the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine sometimes you're like, I'm so sorry, I really can't understand you, like very thick accents. Well, you know, I think I've gotten actually used to the accents. Oh, you have? Okay, like, good. But then I went to this um, this town, maybe it's a small city called Todmorden, and like literally, them people could not understand me. And oh, I was they can't speaking, understand you. They couldn't. They could not understand me. Literally, I was with a homie, and I was buying something, and the woman was like, "What is he saying? What is he saying?" And I'm just like, "Ma'am, <laughs> ma'am, please." I'm you know, speaking ma'am, very, I'm very spe- clearly. Right, I'm speaking. English, but okay, turn up, you know? <laughs> uh, that It's like an interesting, weird culture shock, I imagine. Like, even though you're like, we're technically like speaking the same language, but like totally. your life is very different than my life. Yeah, culturally, it's just, I mean, England is different, right? It's a, it's a different country. It's a different culture. It's a different context. Um, so I think it's been, you know, I feel like these last two almost three years i feel like i've really been in the wild you know yeah yeah Um, what an experience i'm sure you'll look back on it kind of with like oh my god i can't believe i did that that was a that was a wild like just truly wild thing that i did yeah i probably will say that i'll probably be like i did one of the hardest things in my motherfucking life yeah um do not recommend right (laughs) i mean I, I, you know, people should get education. Love that for people. Love that for me. Right. But I'm just like, who? This is one of the hardest things that I've done in my life to date. Totally. Yeah. I can't wait to to like hear more about your research and your findings. Yeah. I know you mentioned yeah. working on your dissertation. So how how much time? Oh. Like, what do we got here? How much time do we have left? Like, what does the end of this thing look like? Talk oh, to me about like Lord. PhD land. Oh, Lord. Um, you know, to anybody out there who's doing a PhD, they'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one thing I've realized is it's like, this is like one of, you know, I think it's like, it's a hazing process, mm. right? And the thing is, like, no one tells you how to do it, but they expect you to do it. Right. There's not a lot of structure. There's not a lot of guidance. Then you attempt to do it and you do it wrong. And they're like, that's wrong. And I'm like, huh? What? What? I've never written a PhD in my life. Right. You know, um, or a dissertation rather. Um, so yeah, I think it's like emotionally like isolating. I think this can be physically isolating at times. Um, and, you know, I think most days I'm just, ooh, sitting with myself, like yeah. battling out on the page, you know? Like, really, I think it has been, like, a really grueling process. Because it's just me versus me, right? It's, it's not me competing with anyone else. It's, like, literally me with my thoughts, with my feelings, with my emotions. And it's not even so much the research as it's, like, wow, this process is, like... A really intense Grueling. process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also like, I think this just zooming out for a second, because I have my master's of public health. And so like, oh, yes, I love could, an MPH. Got an MPH yes. uh, with a focus in sexuality and reproductive health. And Dope. I think like what a lot of PhD folks are missing is what you are an expert at, which is the activism and like the what now. Mm. And I think it's so important that you <clears throat> you have three major qualities of what makes this a really big deal. One, oh, look at you! Is, Thank you. <laughs> let me explain. Uh, I'm, yes. in, I'm in presentation mode now. One okay. is your lived experience as an intersex person. Mm. Right. Two is your years and years of professional activism and being able to connect with people and really like understand how to present information and how to move people and how to make people care about things. 
And three is this academic background. Like you have the trifecta of like being a really powerful like person who like people can look up to and learn from. And I think it's really Mm. the marriage of those things are like really Mm. spectacular and really different from most other people. I feel like who do work like this. Does that, do you feel like that as well? Yo, it just makes me feel all tingly. (laughs) Marriage. Ooh, yeah. All these things coming together. Trifecta. Wow, you know, a little poly within myself, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think, like, I always try to be accessible, right? Because I think one thing I've realized is, you know, as part of being part of the academy during this time when so many academics are so jaded, hmm. right? It's just kind of like, for me, you know... I'm a part of the academy doing this PhD, but I'm not an academic, right? Like, I'm really committed to sort of being free and, like, you know, and it's just kind of like, I think I see more of my role as sort of like being more of like a strategist, right? Like, sort of leaning into that because, like, I think the direct action piece, as far as the intersex movement goes, I think, you know, as it should be, right? Like people are like coming into awareness of being intersex. People are like living their best lives, you know, having relationships, going to school, going to therapy, getting healing. You know, some people are writing books. Some people are like, you know, excelling in the arts, you know? And I think for me, that's what intersex liberation is, Mm. that people don't necessarily have to be activists. Like right. people can actually just be themselves and that's enough. Right. Totally. Um, and so for me, I think, especially as I'm getting older, right. Cause you know, don't let the smooth taste fool you. <laughs> I'm in my mid forties. <laughs> and you look very good. Very good. Well, you know, you can know, confirm. good black don't crack, you know, <laughs> good black don't crack. Um, but, but I do think it's just like, for me, it's like, as I think about like legacy, it's just like, well, how can I support the younger people who are coming after me, who are taking up the mantle? Because I mean, that's what we should be doing, right? Like if you've had some time in and you got some experience and you got some sense, then you like, okay, how can I support the younger generation, right? It's so interesting pigeon and i had like really similar themes come up like Mm. very very similar of pigeon being like Mm. actually don't really want to tell my story anymore like i'm ready Mm. to kind of like move on from that and talk about intersex joy and also Mm. empower younger generations to like do this work like really really similar and i think that's only something that you realize or like come to the conclusion of with age and like with your time of like doing this for a certain amount of time and being like, okay, like I have a different feeling in my body and mind now. And I'm ready to like, like she literally said like pass the baton, like literally like to, you know, part of it was like passing the baton like to themselves, but also Mm. it was kind of like, how do we, how do we really talk about like activism burnout and like figure out how to encourage younger generations to like know Mm. how, this work is feeling and right. you can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but until people totally. really experience it and live it, it's really hard right. to explain, but I just find it interesting. Really similar themes are coming up. Yeah, totally. I mean, the thing is like, <clears throat> I think that's being responsible, mm-hmm. right? Like I think that's being responsible and I think that's being honest and, you know, it's just kind of like, People would tell me when I was younger, older people would be like, youth is wasted on the young. And I never understood that, right? And of course, it sounds probably ageist as fuck, you know? Um, But I think there is something in that where it's just kind of like, yeah, I think as you get older, you step into a different role, right? You have different priorities. Um, And, you know, I think it's just like, I feel like as I'm sort of on the crest or on the cusp of 45, it's just like, oh, I just have a different view of things than I did, like, even five years ago, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm just really kind of settling into that, 
So, yeah. you know, I, I'm liking this aging thing. You know I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, oh. I think like a friend, one of my really close friends keeps bringing it up and I just really feel it of like, as you get older, you just give less of a fuck. Like in terms of oh, facts, you know what I mean? Like not necessarily yeah, yeah. about like, oh, I know. like things that you really, really are passionate about, but just like, okay, like it's not as, you know, like I don't, I don't really want to engage with that. I like, I don't care as yeah. much as I used to. And it's, totally. it's healthy for you to kind of like reclaim like what makes you happy and like how to really right. like center yourself. And I think that totally. is a really powerful, true thing that I have felt. And like you care less about what other people think of you. I think that's like the, totally. the crux of that, which is really yeah. good to like hear and feel. Totally. I mean, I was thinking about it. I think about it a lot because, you know, I think when I was like, 30, 35, you know, it would would just sound cool to be like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. It just sounded cool, right? But like, I think now it's just like, I actually don't give a fuck, but it's not in a way that's like hostile or like a fuck you to the world. It's literally like, how do I conserve my energy? Right. How do I conserve my resources? How do I invest in my own capacity? Right. Um, and so then it's, it's not even about other people, what they do or don't do. It's just like, well, how can I make better decisions for myself? Yeah. I think transitioning a little bit to yeah, yeah, totally. not your film, but the film that you're in, right. <laughs> I'm still going to call it clear. your film. <laughs> you know, love that. Love that. Love that. You know, it's, do, it's yeah. Julie Cohen's it, film. Julie it's Cohen's film. Okay, you're right. You're right. Let's let's give Julie <laughs> Cohen some credit because it, it is you know. Julie's film, but yes. it's a film that yes. you are starring in with other people, right? Okay, right, so totally. um, let let's get into it. It's called Everybody, yeah. uh, with two words, Everybody, and it has a 97 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, let's really talk wow. that up, and yeah, I, I really that. see. Why I watched this film, I loved mm. it. I thought it mm. was very touching and beautiful mm. and authentic. And even as mm. like an MPH who has studied this stuff and like really, really, I'm already invested, right? Like I'm bought into right. this cause already. Right. I felt like it leveled up for me and I'm more interested, more like I was very attached to your three stories and felt like very mm. much like, wow, this is uh, such a wonderful depiction of these three people. Mm. Uh, and mm. it felt really cool that I was like, I know him. I know Saifa. Yo, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're on my TV big time. So I love this film. I thought it was so fantastic. It was touching. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. I was like, I know a celebrity. This is the best ever. That's hilarious. And <laughs> and I wonder if you can uh, tell the listeners who don't know about everybody. Why don't you share what it's about? Yeah. So everybody is a film by Julie Cohen. Um, she has made such films like My Name is Paulie Murray and RBG. And I would say everybody is a film that follows um, three intersex people, including myself, uh, River Gallo, who's Gallo, who's uh, a filmmaker, uh, Alicia Roth Weigel, who works in politics and does a whole bunch of stuff, um, has a book coming out recently uh, or coming out soon. Um, And then myself, um, longtime activist and researcher. So, you know, I think it's a really profound film because I think it touches on different aspects of our lives. Um, that includes our experiences with physicians, our relationships with our families, um, you know, these points of like shame and secrecy, but also like really shows like how we sort of tran- transform these really sort of like I guess in some ways negative, but more so isolating experiences to sort of like bloom, you know? Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think it was really, you know, when I was um, in New York City uh, for the Tribeca um, film screening, um, I saw the editor. The editor is like this quirky guy. He's so cool. Kelly Kendrick, so rad, you know? really just brilliant, you know? And I was just like, wow, you know, you really did an amazing job with editing. 
Um, because I feel like, you know, the everybody film, I feel like I can almost do like a mic drop in a way. Um, because I feel like he really just sort of captured who I am on film, like what I am, um, what I'm about, right? Like for me, it's always been about the work. It's always been about people getting free, right? Um, and really sort of highlighting and sort of spotlighting the treatment of um, intersex folks. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like when I think about my own legacy, like I feel like everybody just feels like almost like the cement, you know, sort of like this this is what Cypher did, you know? He's been doing this work for a long time. This is what he did. He showed out. He did the damn thing. Boom, you know? Yeah, totally. And it also must just feel like this interesting chapter that's like you've been doing that for a long time, you know? I don't know how long filming took. I assume like months. Uh, Over a year. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Over a year. Yeah, uh, yeah totally. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, that's a really long time. Uh, yeah. And you can't really explain it to people until they just see it and they just understand. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like an editor really brings that all together. Ooh. It's a masterful skill. And it's really, really yeah. it's such an important piece of being able to see the final thing that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know River and Alicia well or at all before the film? Um, I knew them um and i hung out with river once in la and i've shared space with alicia a couple times but i didn't really know them um so i think through the process of the film i got to know them um a lot more you know um totally. which i think was cool yeah know? was there anything that was kind of like surprising to you about sh- you know you've shared your story hundreds Mm. of times at this point, right? I mean, it's like etched in your brain when it comes to your activism and sharing and being in front of a crowd and, you know, speaking in front of senators and you're in, you know, you you do like Mm. a lot with this story. And I wonder if it felt any different in front of a camera or if you got to share another piece of you in this film that maybe you hadn't previously or if, Mm. yeah, just anything else that came up for you there. Yeah, I think for me, what felt really different was sort of like bringing in pictures of like my mom, mm. um, pictures of my family. Like that felt different, you know, because I think I always talk about my family whenever I talk about my story. But I think it's one another thing to see them. And, mm. um, you know, I remember um, after the Tribeca screening, there was like a Q&A. There was a short Q&A session. And I kind of almost broke down, mm. sort of thinking about like, you know, Alicia's mom was in the crowd, River's mom was in the crowd, and my mom is dead, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think I was really sort of tapped into that grief. But I think also what was interesting for me in watching the film, <clears throat> I think it showed more dimensions to who I am, you know, that I'm interested in healing, Right. Like that I'm interested in sort of like different things like outside of activism, like activism is important and it's not my life. Right. right? It's, it's a big part of my life, but it's not my life. Um, so I think it was I think, you know, as as much as a film can do in 90 plus minutes and in a, you know, almost three dimensional way, I think. The, the film did a good job of just showing that. Yeah, I really loved the little moments where, like, Alicia was kind of filmed, like, swiping on a dating app, and you oh. were kind of like, romance is no problem for me. And, like, and there's kind of, like, <laughs> this, like, light moment. And I feel like that is what's missing in a lot of activist stories. Like, and, mm. you know, again, like, me and Pigeon talked about this, too, and you're alluding to this, which is, like, this is only a piece of what makes me whole and you won't understand really what makes me whole unless you get the opportunity to hear like 
what I laugh about and who I date and what that feels like. And, you know, what my friends are like, like there's so many other pieces that make up a full life. And I think Mm. a documentary can do a really good job of like attempting to show as many of those pieces as, as they can. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it really, yeah, I think it really, it showed more, showed more sides. Cause I think I'm also like a private person too. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't be in these streets like that, you know, right. like people who know me know how I move and I just be like, you know, doing my thing. Um, so I think it's, I, I think even though this was a really public thing, like a public um, film that's just going to live in the archive forever, mm-hmm. um, I think it still felt really intimate and in some ways felt private. You know, because it's just kind of like, it's not one of those films like Barbie or Oppenheimer, right? Where everyone's like, whoa, I got to see the film, you know? So like people, you know, they're going to see it on streaming or they're going to kind of stumble upon it in some way if they want to learn about intersex issues. So I feel like it almost sort of creates this sort of like private sort of intimate dialogue with just a viewer, right? Mm. Just, you know, like, yeah. Because I feel like the people who have hit me up are just like, be like, oh, I saw the film. It was really amazing. Like, but it's it hasn't been weird. It hasn't been like weirdos or like, you know, I'm here for the weird, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, I think it's been like really chill. And I just hope that it just reaches whoever it needs to reach and speaks to whoever it needs to speak to. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for Uber Lube. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of Uber Lube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Ever since getting engaged to my wonderful fiance, I've been thinking about ways to keep things fun and novel between us, but I, of course, want it to feel organic. I want to be able to feel sexy and comfortable in my body while trying something new. Thanks to Lion's Den, a new adventure I've been exploring is the world of lingerie. I never really was a big lingerie girl myself, but once I started trying on lingerie that accentuated my curves, felt super soft to the touch, and made me look in the mirror and felt wildly confident in my skin, that changed pretty quickly. Plus, when I searched for what I might like on Lion's Den's website, I saw models that actually looked like me. They were curvy and thick and voluptuous, and it made all the difference to see models that have my body type. Want to join me in my new lingerie chapter? Right now, you can use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase in-store and online at lionsden.com. Follow them on social media at Lion's Den Adult on IG and TikTok for exclusive offers, deals, and giveaways. I'm sure you've heard the phrase bottoming before, but do you really know what it entails, pun intended? When it comes to anal sex, there's typically a top and a bottom, and any combination of the two. The top is defined as the insertive partner, and the bottom is defined as the receptive partner. If you're interested in anal play or bottoming, the three major muscles in our butt need to be relaxed for complete and successful entry. After you've started to experiment with the tip of a finger or a butt plug with lots and lots of lube, you may want to slowly graduate to a pre-bottoming anal training routine to ensure the best experience. Enter the glass anal dilator set with three gradual dilators, small, medium, and large plugs from Future Method. And an important fun fact, an anal surgeon designed these glass dilators so you know that he's got your back and your bottom. To learn more about bottoming and the glass dilator set, go to futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at checkout. Yeah, in terms of the title, I kind of at first also was like, oh, like I wonder what is behind kind of like the idea of wanting this title to be this this way, this every space body. Mm-hmm. And 
I think the conclusion that I came to was that, yes, it is maybe like a little general, but I do think in Mm. order to reach people who we really need to be reaching about these topics, it needs to be pretty broad and not too divisive. Is that like, has that, is that part of the reason why the title has grown on you or talk to me about like how, when you said like, Mm. oh, I wasn't really a fan of it, but like now maybe I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah. What, Yeah. What went through your head about it? I think for me, it's like, well, I mean, I think what the reason why it grew on me was because, you know, everyone who is a human has a body, right? And the thing is, is like, the way I sort of think and speak about um, intersex issues now is just like, you know, intersex is not something that just resides over there somewhere, Right. And I think we like to think about intersex as something like, oh, I can't be intersex because intersex is so narrowly defined. And I've been really sort of like seeing more recently, just like everyone has hormones, everyone has genitals, everyone has reproductive organs. Like we don't know who's intersex and who's not. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think we've situated for so long. And I feel like conservatives are really and just are, well, they're maniacal, but I do feel like, you know, there's this effort to really sort of reinstitute like male and female as like these polar opposites. Right. But like, I have always contended that like human bodies are like flowers, Hmm. right? Because, you know, as a sex educator, you know, listen, you sleep with more than one person let me tell you, it gets it goes from mild to wild out here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? And it's just like, there's just so much variation in our bodies. Right. So how can we really quantify, like, intersex variations? But I think often what happens is that if at birth, you know, a child is not, you know, does not look how a child is supposed to look, and it's so arbitrary and it's so biased then those children are subject to harm. And that's whack, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I just hope, you know, sometimes I have hope for humans, sometimes I don't, right? But I do hope that other species can really sort of be like, we're just, you know, we have these parts, we have these desires, we act on these desires with our parts, and that's just what it is, right? Because I think, you know, when we put a gender on something, who does that serve? What is a what is it about? You mm. know what I'm saying? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? You know? Um, so I you know, for me, I'm just kind of like, listen, like, yeah, I just I'm just like, how can I, I think now for me, part of like the way I talk about it now is just like, how can we just talk about just bodies? Right, that we have these bodies with these parts, and we do things with these parts, or don't do things with these parts. You right. know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I do like the the idea of really zooming out and thinking through the idea that you know, okay, there are people out there who don't agree with the idea that gender is not whatever. There, there is a man, and there is what a woman, what whatever right. kind of like traditional norms that they're kind of being indoctrinated into in their own media and their own messaging and their own family and their own algorithm. Like we're all kind of in, we're all in it, right. With whatever, whatever line we're like, you know, getting shit from, like we're all recipients of that messaging, whatever the messaging is. And the fact of the matter is, is like, there's no arguing about the fact that everyone has bodies and the fact that 1.7, to two plus percent of people are born intersex and that there's just, there's no ability to be like, well, no, that's not true. Cause it's like, actually it just is like, there's no need to, you know, pretend like there's something different um, or, or wrong about that. Right. But my whole thing is just like, why do we have to shortchange ourselves? Right. It's just like 1.7 to 2% of the population. That's so arbitrary and weird it's right because you know when we're talking about again when we're talking about the variation in bodies right how can we put a number on that right you know where do we draw those lines Mm. you know and i just feel like in this sort of like 
really science, almost pseudoscience, kind of junk science way is it's sort of like, well, let's put a number on it because mm. people respect numbers, right? But the thing is, is like, you know, I'm a hoe. So I have <laughs> like seen a lot of bodies, <laughs> right? And it's just like intersex, you know, when we when we zoom out and when we actually look at like when we break down that we're talking about reproductive organs, genitals, hormones, and chromosomes, that includes so many people, Mm. you know? And so for me, it's just like, how do we have those more expansive conversations? Right. Right. To not pigeonhole. Totally. You know? Yeah. It's just like, let's respect, okay, let's respect the numbers. But then, you know, I remember a while back, you know, I was having, because um, I always am like, PCOS, people with polycystic mm. ovarian syndrome, you have a home here, you know? Right. And so if we include people with PCOS in this definition of intersex, then it brings the number to over 5%. That's interesting. Right? And so, you know, again, like, how can we really quantify bodies? We can't. Right. Like it's too, we're trying to make like too neat of a box and like, it's just, we're growing outside of the garden. Like it doesn't make sense. Listen, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Listen. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I I do hear, I appreciate the pushback on the number because I do think for me as someone who talks to people who know, who know nothing about intersex. I think right. I, I stick to that number to be like, oh, and that's the same number as redheads. And you, don't you know a redhead in your totally. life? Like we have all, we all, totally. we all have totally. our script, but I do <laughs> think, it, I do think it's helpful to push beyond that and just be like, okay, like, is, is that really serving us? Like the conversation really needs to go beyond that. Totally. We, you know, everyone is implicated in this. Yeah. Right. Like. Because I, you know, I've been talking to a couple of like um, academics lately who work at universities, work with the Gen Z crowd, work with the the youth, you know, the youth. And we've got another thing coming. Listen, you know, and both of them said that the young people that they work with, so many of them like don't identify as male or female. Mm -hmm. A lot of gender, non-binary, third gender. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? And so it's just like, again, like, you know, if we go according to the Kinsey model, 10% of the human population is gay or lesbian, right? <laughs> right? Forget about the bisexuals. They're right. on their own, right? But the thing about it is, it's just like, again, like, especially in these times, like, how can we quantify sexuality? How can we quantify gender? We can't. Right. And that's where I give props to the younger generation who's just like breaking that fucking mold Mm. and being like, you know, we can actually do better. Yeah. It's if we're if we're we're going down this track, I have I have a response to that that I find really interesting because I have two minds about it. One, I I genuinely think that like in 40 years, we're not going to be having as many of these conversations and people are just going to exist like with a Mm. million, you know, exactly who they are and like Mm. whatever label they want. And many people are going to say, fuck the labels. That's so that's so 40 years ago. Like I'm just doing whatever (laughs) I want. And I fully support that. And I love that. (laughs) At the same time, I do wonder specifically we're, we're talking about race for a second specifically Mm. i think for white people and erica Mm. hart talks a lot about this i think Mm. but i think specifically for white people and specifically for young white people and this is coming from my own experience like teaching middle school within the past couple years right right white young people feel i generally think when they want to claim like a queer label or identity Mm. that they that that makes them different and unique and it absolves Mm. them from other like racism and other and you know ableism and Mm. other kinds of like things that just we all hold just based on our privileges and our identities right and i'm curious to see where that idea is gonna go because Mm. where where is there the conversation around like 
sure, maybe you're non-binary, but maybe right. you're passing as a woman, or maybe you're, mm, you know, you know, all, all of these. And people do, I think older people do talk about this, about passing and mm. about like different privileges that certain people hold depending on their identities. But I do think yeah. it's, it's, it, it needs to be a little bit more nuanced with young people mm. because I'm worried mm. that if, if young people feel like because they are queer or because they are what uh, different or whatever label that they choose that absol- mm. there that absolves them from other things and they're like no you don't get it like I'm I'm queer it's like I'm just like you and I think it's really important to like talk about those nuances. Mm. Oh, good thing they're not talking to me because I'd be like, hey. <laughs> Because what we're not going to do is have that conversation. (laughs) But you're of a different generation and so am I, right? It's just kind of like, Mm. I just think it's it's so important that we give young people the space to experiment and be exactly who they are and not experiment. It's not a phase, you know, they are who they are and that's probably true. And we need to have a really nuanced conversation about like other ways that we still hold privilege and power and how important that is to hold. Yo, yo, those those are facts. Yeah. Those are facts. I mean, I think it's like, how do we hold that tension? Right? Yeah. Um, Because I, and, and I see it in myself, you know, like I feel like when I was a young 20 something year old, 22, 23, 24. Yeah. You know, I just was like, it's just this or that. Right. You know, it's either you on board or you not, because this revolution is coming in your right. face, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, I think for me, it's just, I think as I've gotten older, I think, and this is just my experience. I'm not speaking for other people. I'm speaking for Saifa. But I think for me, it's just, I just have more nuance, right? It's just like, I, I think I live a little bit more in the gray area. Yeah. You know? So like for example, you know, I was at this event here in Manchester. It was a screening of Kokomo City. Um, you know, which is about it follows like I think four black trans women in Atlanta um and in New York. Um and so, you know, it's it's it was dope cuz it was a, a lot of young, you know, black queer folks, a lot of young queer people of color in the audience. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Love that. So, you know, whenever I'm in space with young people, I really just try to listen, um, observe, you know, um, really just, um, yeah, because I just try to listen, period. Um, And so there's a scene in the film where there's this, like, dude, the cis, you know, cis black man who is fishing. Um, And we're talking about the film afterwards. And this young person is like, you know... Yeah, so fishing is so cis heteropatriarchal. I was like, huh? I was like, um, so <laughs> I was just like, I lived in Georgia. Um, I lived in Atlanta, and I also lived in the South when I was younger. Country people fish. Right. You know what I'm saying? Men, women, children, queers, everyone's fishing, right? Because you're trying to eat. And right. so I was just like, you know, of course, everything is contextual, but like just to slap a whole blanket on something and be like fishing is cis heteropatriarchal because this cis dude was fishing. I was like, OK, but I was like, right. turn up, you know, right. and I just offered a gentle pushback and they were like, oh, OK. Hmm. And <laughs> I'm like, sense. Hmm, yeah, <laughs> you know, just but you're right. You know, people have to get their lessons. They have to make their mistakes. They have to. That's part of the growing and learning process, you know? And I think it's just indicative of like me as I, I, I'm 30. So I'm kind of in this mm. in-between space of being like, I'm not you anymore, mm. but I'm not quite, right. you know, like I haven't been in this work for decades. So I'm in this kind right. of like teeter tot, like tottering of like, mm. like being, uh, you know, defensive about things when it's like, you know, one way and then kind of seeing the opposite of being like, but maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I think the gray Mm. area is it only as you get older, I think is like this, this thing that you are able to, I don't know, like you have like different glasses on or something like that. Like the ability to see. Yeah. Yeah. And your glasses probably got a stronger prescription. You (laughs) know what I'm saying? You're old once again. (laughs) Once again, you're getting old. Um, that's real. My contact prescription is wild. Like I wake up and I'm like, fuck, I can't see a goddamn thing. It's really Listen. something. It's a problem. Listen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. We're we're chatting about lots of things left and right. Um love I would love to know, like, in terms of, you know, back to back to this film, back to your film, as I will always say, also, although Julie Cohen, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep saying it. Um, but back to the film that you're in, you know, all about intersex activism. I'm wondering, like, in the years to come, with mm. whatever kind of like connection that you will continue to have to the space like what Mm. work is there kind of left to be done uh that you really want like listeners to know uh as someone who's been in the space for a really long time who knows the Mm. space really well when Mm. it comes to intersex rights and happiness yeah i mean you know, I think it's interesting when um, I hear people, intersex people, use the phrase intersex joy, right? Intersex joy. And, you know, I'm just like, huh. I always get curious about it, you know, because I think for me, I've said this in interviews, but I think, you know, there, I think there are moments where you can feel joy, right? I think you can feel joy in different parts of your life, right? And I think, you know, almost this term intersex joy is like this kind of recoil, this kind of snap back or this kind of uh, clap back to sort of trauma, right? Because people are like, oh, I don't want to be in this trauma narrative. Like, I, I want to show the joy. I want to show happiness. And I think that was one of the things in the film Everybody where Julia was like, we have to focus on the joy. And, you know, Shana Kisnick, who's like, uh, who was a creative producer was also like, yeah, intersex joy. And I remember I had a conversation with Shana or Shauna, I think that's the pronunciation. And I was just like, you know, I think there's something really profound. Like when I hear trans folks talk about gender euphoria, like I feel, even as a trans person, I feel that, right? Because I think there's something really profound and deep about you know, sharing your pronouns with people and people respecting your pronouns or being desired for having a trans body, right? Or being able to show off your scars at the beach, right? Or to sort of like be able to get a script for testosterone or estrogen or estradiol, right? Um, Even though those freedoms are being attacked, right? Right now, um, I think there was this sort of like, this period. And, and I think they're still there. I think we just are dealing with different issues at the moment. But I think there's something, like, I witnessed it. Like, this sort of, this evolution of gender euphoria, right? Especially when um, gender identity disorder was depathologized, right? And it was sort of like gender dysphoria. Mm. Not too much better. But the thing is, it's like, again, it's sort of like, there were these huge strides made for trans people, right? By trans people and by trans allies. So that would bring about gender euphoria, right? And so for me, I think like intersex joy would be sort of like more people knowing about intersex stuff, right? More people getting curious about their own bodies, right? And being like, I want to do a genetic test. I want, why is my clit is really big. What's up with that? Or like, wow, you know, like I can do this really cool thing. I don't know, whatever, you know, like I think this something also about doctors, whether they be urologists, endocrinologists, not looking at intersex variations as a pathology or disorder, right? And intersex children, intersex infants sort of being when they're born, they're being celebrated and not sort of like harmed in order to make their bodies align with one gender or another, right? And so I, I just feel like there are just so many points of entry for people um, to sort of like create this vision of intersex joy that I laid out, right? Because you talk to another intersex person, they have their own vision mm-hmm. of what intersex joy could be, right? But I think for me... I think there's just so much work to be done. There's so many ways to enter. Um, And I think about it two ways, right? I think about it like, like I said earlier at the top of the, you know, podcast is like, you know, intersex activism isn't for everybody and it shouldn't be for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like people just deserve time to just be, 
to heal, to date, to study, to do whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what liberation is. Um, and yeah, I think I just want, I think two things that I see from my vantage point that would really change the game is one, you know, people just growing up with the bodies that they have. And there are, there are people, there actually are like a lot of people. And I'm really interested in hearing their experiences, right? People who grow up, who haven't had surgical or medical intervention. I'm just like, yes, we need more of those stories out there, Mm. right? Because for me, that's intersex joy, right? Like not being shamed for who you are, right? Because I think even with those people who haven't had medical interventions, there's still silence, right? There's still some degree of stigma, right? And so for me, it's just like, I want to see more people escaping harm. I want to see more people sort of proud and be like, you know, I'm just intersex and this is what it is. And I see it on TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. I see the young people being like, I'm intersex. You know what that is? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Tell them, tell them, tell them, you know? Um, And so I just feel like, I think we are winning. I think we are gaining ground. And I think at least the intersex movement in the U.S. is a little more than 30 years old. Hmm. And movements take decades. They take centuries, right? Yeah. And it just keeps building and keeps That feels building. very young, actually, 30 years. Oh, very young. Very young, right? And so the thing is, it's like, I think things have been accelerated because of the internet, because of social media, because of algorithms. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but I do feel like, you know, if we've come this far... Again, speaking for the intersex movement in the U.S., because it's different in other contexts. Mm -hmm. But if we've come this far in 30 years, I can only imagine where we'll be in the next 30 years. And hopefully I'll be alive to see that. Mm. And maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just be some dust somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Or just, you know, on the other side of the veil, be like, oh, yeah, give them hell, kids. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So much left to be done. And also like, again, you are, you are just instrumental in like the success of this movement in this country. And it's not, not, that's not just me saying that, like, that is just uh, a fact of the matter. Like that is just well known, I think. Uh, (laughs) Just so sweet. Just so sweet to me. I'm just saying truths. Um, And I feel very lucky to know you and to learn from you and to have you on as a two-timer for this podcast. I can't wait to see what you'll do in the next three years and we'll have a reunion for another episode and we'll kind of, we'll see what happens, but why don't don't you tell people uh, where they can find you and learn more about your work? Yeah. I mean, you know, people can hit up my website, seansypha.com. Um, so it's my first name, Sean, Um, people can find me on, if people still use Facebook, Lord, um, <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm about to get off Twitter cause it's a hellscape. Sure is. Um, I'm on Instagram at cypher emerges. Um, I'm sticking my toe on TikTok, but okay. ooh, Lord, the TikTok, you know, but I don't have time for TikTok. I'm like, I'm trying to write a damn dissertation. TikTok ain't going to take me out like that. Oh, you man. Know Hours. You're just on there for, you know, it's tough to get <laughs> oh out of that God. hole. See, what is it? What do they call it? The K-hole? <laughs> yes, is they do call like... it a K-hole. <laughs> you know? T- yeah, so TikTok's just... the K-hole of, of uh, Gen Z for sure. So I'm just like, mm-mm, I ain't trying to mess around with that TikTok. Now I'm trying to write this dissertation, baby. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, that's so that's so good. Uh, well, once again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm so excited for people to hear this and for you to be the last episode of this season. Uh, just wow. Just wow. Sex Out with DB wow. listeners, uh, another season is coming next month. So stay tuned. Uh, and thank you again for, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. It's such a lovely conversation. Love that. <laughs> Our creator 
host and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalow. Our producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our associate producer and communications coordinator is Sadie Luigi. Our marketing coordinator is Kate Fiala. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thanks so much to our featured guests, partners, and listeners. Want to partner with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. For exclusive content and to submit an anonymous sex ed question, check out my new podcast on Fridays, Curious Sex Ed, hosted with Mariah Claudio of Sex Ed Files. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash curiouss sex ed to learn more. See you next time. Thank you.